0: We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So historically speaking, The confitior is the public or the corporate act of confessing our sins as a faith community. And so in the Methodist tradition, most of us are familiar with the following words. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray, free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, other faith traditions, they have similar statements of corporate confession. So if you were with us on Monday, Thursday, we read a different one. We, we read a truncated version of the Roman Catholic Confiteor. here it is in its entirety. Our brothers and sisters in the Roman Catholic tradition, they say this before they take communion. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned, in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and in what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask blessed Mary, ever virgin, all the angels and saints and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray to, for me to the Lord our God. Now, it doesn't matter which liturgically based church you attend. Wherever you go that has a liturgy, they're going to have some sort of a confiteor or this part of their church heritage. And so the earliest use of this this corporate confession of sin, it's recorded in around 1100 AD. And there's nothing wrong with us doing that. I, I think it's a really good thing for us to do. But we're going to talk about confession today, and we're not talking about this kind of confession. The confession we're talking about is something very different. So the, the idea of people of faith confessing, it's an ancient idea. And if we want to understand where this is coming from, we have to dig way back into the Bible. We have to go all the way into the Old Testament. In, the, in fact, we have to go back into Leviticus chapter 5. Because it's there in chapter 5 of Leviticus. The Jewish people, they are told for the very first time, when you realize your guilt in any of these, you shall confess the sin that you have committed. And so it's from that point forward, biblically speaking, that the convi- confession by individuals for the sins that they have committed, it became part of the Jewish tradition. It's part of the Christian tradition. And so you'll find a call to confession in all different kinds of books in the Old Testament. You'll find it in Numbers, in Joshua. You'll find it in Chronicles, Nehemiah, Ezra, Kings, Daniel, and even into the Psalms. But if you want to find one place in the Old Testament that really sums up what it means to confess and the importance of confessing. You need to look in the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Listen to what this scripture says. No one who conceals transgressions will prosper, but one who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Listen to that again. No one who conceals transgressions will prosper. But the one who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So throughout biblical history, it has been taught and it has been shown that confessing personal sin to someone else is a good thing. But we're not Catholic, are we? And so as non-Catholics, we kind of get a little bit squeamish about this whole confession thing. Many of us start thinking well this is a Catholic thing to do. We, we think that confessing our sins is something that we actually got rid of during the Protestant Reformation. But you see the reality is that's only partly true because in the Catholic tradition, in the Catholic tradition there are seven sacraments. And one of those sacraments is confession, or more specifically, the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And so if you know church history, if you know the Protestant Reformation, you know that the Protestant Reformers, they went through and they began to do things differently. And so they dropped it down from seven sacraments to only two. We still retain Holy Baptism and Holy Communion. And there's a good reason they did all of that. But we're not going to get into all the history right now. But what we might not understand is that, that just because we removed these other five things from the list of sacraments, it doesn't mean that we should think any less of them or that we shouldn't do them anymore. Because you see, the thing is, marriage is also considered a sacrament in the Catholic Church. And the last time I checked, Protestants still do get married, don't we? Oftentimes by a pastor in a church, and we call that Holy Matrimony. So, for whatever reason, historically speaking, confession it is just kind of fell by the wayside, and it probably actually has a lot more to do with the fact that we don't want to do that than the fact that we think that it's Catholic in nature. But you see, distancing ourselves from the practice of confession it has done the Church a great deal of harm. In fact, it has been so detrimental that there are churches all over the place that are suffering from sin filled sickness. In a lot of ways we we treat sin like I did a thorn that I had one time. You see, whenever I was a teenage boy, my dad he did a he did a deer lease down around Marfa. We went down deer hunting. Now, I've never been much of a hunter. I don't mind people hunting. I just don't really enjoy doing it all that much. But I do enjoy going on the trip. I enjoy going out and hiking around and looking at the landscape, learning about other places. And so on this one particular trip, I went and I hiked all over this deer lease. And and of course, if you've ever been in that part of the country, you know that everything down there has thorns, claws, or sharp teeth, right? And so by the time I got home, I had scratches and scrapes. I had abrasions all over the place from my time hiking around. So we had been home a couple of weeks and and I noticed that that one of the sores on the front of my leg, on the shin, it it just wasn't getting any better. Teenage boys, they're really not very smart. And so I did what they normally do. I didn't tell my parents about it. I tried to treat it all on my own. I put some topical medicine on it thinking I could uh, heal it up. I kept it clean, just thinking it's gonna get better all these other sores on my body they did get better but that one didn't heal and and so one night i woke up and and there was a pain it was a throbbing pain in my leg And, and so i got up and i hobbled into the restroom and i was looking at it trying to figure out what was going on and that's when i realized that sore was getting really bad and so i did what normal teenage boys do in those situations i got out my pocket knife and i started digging around in that thing and after i dug around for a second i realized what was wrong there was something in my leg there was something stuck in there i was finally able to get a hold of it and, and i began to pull And when i did there was a thorn that's about an inch long stuck in there and after i pulled it out all the pus and all the junk that forms around that it began to pour out of that sore but you see it was only after i pulled the thorn out that my leg began to heal up so here's the thing that sin That's what sin does in our spiritual life. And so it's through the act of confession that we are removing the thorn. As you see, so many churches, they don't practice intentional confession. And so all of these thorns that sin has has a hold of us, they're embedded inside of us. And as a result, all of these thorns remain inside the body of Jesus, who is the Christ, us. And so Bonhoeffer he he says that what has happened is we now have formed pious fellowships. Our churches are a pious fellowship. He says the pious fellowship it permits no one to be a sinner. And so everyone must now conceal his or her sin from not only himself but also from everyone else from the rest of the fellowship. He says we dare not be sinners. And so many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. And so we remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. He says the fact is that we are sinners. So as people of faith, we're going to have to come to terms with this reality. There is no pretending that we're okay there, there's no acting as though our lives are perfect or that we never succumb to those temptations or, or that while we might make mistakes sometimes, that we really don't ever do anything all that bad. And you see, 1 John, he adamantly agrees and he even insists that for our own spiritual good, we must be honest with ourselves. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all if we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness we lie and do not do what is true but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus has, his son cleanses us from all sin so if you read through scripture you find out that the light is a symbol of God don't you And so this light of God, the light from God, it it does a couple of things. First, it reveals the holiness of God. God's flawless perfection is is on full display for everyone to see because of the light. There's no shame in God. There's, There's nothing to hide away in God. There's no reason for darkness to exist in God. Secondly... When we bring our full selves into the light, it shows just how short of perfection we are. It shows us where we fall short. It, it shows us how much we need to grow. And the light it invites us to walk this journey with God. You see, there's a problem, church. The problem is Shame. Just like shame, it it drove Adam and Eve into the shadows of the Garden of Eden. Shame is what drives us, too. It it drives us into the shadows of life. We don't want God to see our shame. But see, we don't understand. We forget that that God sees in the shadows. He already knows. And he loves us anyway, church. Church. And so the one we hurt by not coming into the light, it, it's ourself. We don't allow ourselves to, to have complete fellowship with God or with other people of faith because we are refusing to allow God's light to shine on everything that we are. And that's where confession comes in. If we confess our sins... He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Essentially, confessing is choosing to step into the light. Or as Bonhoeffer says, confession is discipleship. And so it's through this act of confessing that, that the shame that you and I feel is it, stripped away of all of its power. And so in confessing the, the thorn of sin, it, it's removed, and, and the pus begins to drain, and the wound, the wound can finally begin to heal up, even though it could be a slow process. And when it's over with, there might be a scar left behind, but it's no longer in danger to us, and it's no longer hurting Now, there's some things we need to understand about confession. First thing is we need to know is that any believer, any believer is able to hear a confession. It doesn't have to be me. In fact, it's actually better if I'm not the only one hearing confessions. Because you see, the strength of the community, it depends on us living our life together, including this life of confession. Secondly, there's no reason, absolutely no reason at all that the entire church has to hear our confession. The, the person who hears our confession, they hear it on behalf of everyone else in the church. And so all of us have been given authority. We've been granted the authority. And, and we know what authority is, don't we? Authority in the church means you have a servant's heart, that you come into to people with humility, with compassion, with mercy. All of us have been given the authority to absolve the sins of someone else. Third, confession can only be done in this trusting relationship. If someone trusts you enough to confess all the ickiness of life, then that is a sacred trust. And it's a trust that should never, ever be broken. So if you agree to hear a confession, you're agreeing to to bear someone else's burden. Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 6. Now the thing is, confession, it's not fodder for gossip. We're not going there to figure out who we're gonna gossip about. Instead, confession, it really is a holy moment. In fact, I think you probably ought to take your shoes off at that time. It's a time of weeping, and it's a time of humility. It's a time of forgiveness. Fourth, personal confession. It's not the time or the place for that general confession we talked about earlier. We're going to keep doing our general confession at church to the confidior. In other words, we're going to say we have not loved our neighbors or we haven't heard the cry of the needy. But in a personal confession, we have to concretely say exactly what we have done. You don't have to give a lot of details about it, but you have to name the sin. And naming the sin is the only way you can bring it into the light. Fifth, confession, it's not law. And so we need to offer it as a divine, an offer of divine help for the sinner. Now, one thing I don't think we can ever, ever say enough is this one phrase. God loves you. God loves you and he wants what's best for you. And he knows that, that holding on to the darkness of sin, it's not good for any of us. It's not good for our physical health. It's not good for our emotional health. It's not good for our mental health. It's not good for our spiritual health. And God also knows that it's not good for our job performances or our relationships we have with our spouse or our children and grandchildren or our brothers or sisters. He also knows it's not good in how we view ourselves. Confession is the most liberating way that we can finally bring our sins into the light so that we can begin to heal up. We can heal up from the devastating power of sin in our life. And so as we finish out this series, I'm calling all of us here at Aldersgate, I'm calling us to, to be encouraged to go out and find someone that you can confess your personal sins to. If you're a male, I encourage you to find a male. If you're a female, find a female. Pray about it and seek it out. Find out from other people who know you who are some options for you. Who is it, who's out there that can, can listen to your confessions? Now here's a word to the wise. Do not use your spouse or your children. It will not end well. I promise you, okay? Don't do that. Now here's something I need us to consider just for a moment. If you're sitting here at this point in this message you're thinking, this is really a hard thing to do, pastor. I agree with you, it is. But If you think it's hard for you, if you think this is hard for you, just consider for a minute how hard it is for your pastor. As the spiritual leader of a congregation, of a, of a flock of people, your pastor's held to a higher standard. And there's a lot of people in this world who, who they're gonna be quick to point out all of his flaws and they're just looking and they're searching, trying to find out what sins he's committing. Now I know your pastor really well. I've known him my entire life. And you can rest assured, church, your pastor is a sinner. And for a long time, shame, it, it kept him from, from finding the someone to confess to. Your pastor, he, he was afraid to bring his sin out into the light. But see, it's not true anymore. Because the burden of all of that, it, it was too great, and, and the consequences were too dire for him to live that way anymore. And so every month, Every single month he confesses his sins to a brother in Christ. And month after month, the darkness is overcome by the light of Jesus. And month after month, the wounds of sin's thorn, it continues to heal. And month after month, that shame, the shame is melting away. It's because of confession that I know I'm in a better place to lead this congregation of people, to lead God's people at Aldersgate. Now, there's something else that Bonhoeffer says in Life Together. He says that the confession serves the Christian community, especially as a preparation for the common reception of Holy Communion. Reconciled in their hearts with God and brothers and sisters, the congregation receives the gift of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And receiving that, it receives forgiveness, new life, and salvation. So here's the paradox. Our life together, it's not destroyed through our confessing of our sins. Instead, our life together in this faith community, it is actually strengthened in our confession. The love of God, it it flows among us, and and the forgiveness of Christ, it upholds us. And the mercy of Jesus, it, it enfolds all of us, because we choose to live a life together in confession and communion. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, may the peace and grace of Jesus be with you. Amen. So this morning as you take communion, I want you to reflect. I want you to reflect back upon who it is that you can invite into your life to be someone you confess to. Who is it in your life that you have a a deep relationship with, that you have a trust with, that you can go to and, and confess concrete sin? And on the flip side, if someone comes to you and wants to confess... How prepared are you for that? Ask God to be with you and to to prepare you for those things because it's not an easy task and yet it's so, so important. Allow God to strengthen you through the sacrament of Holy Communion to do the thing that he's called all of us into. So Father God, in the name of Jesus who is the Christ, I pray that you make this bread your body and make this wine your blood. It may each and every one of us be drawn closer to you through the body. And allow the righteousness of Christ to flow over us as we confess our sins one to another. Amen.